You know, when you lose somebody, you feel it. And then when the holidays roll around, you feel it again. I've heard from so many people that grief just gets worse in the holidays. And sometimes when we notice it is when we start to decorate. When we decorate and we start to put up stockings, if you're a stocking family, and then you have an extra stocking, what do you do? What do you do with that extra one? It's not really a good answer for that. So I get it. Sometimes people do hate Christmas. Maybe it's not because of loss, but maybe you are dreading this Christmas because you know that the kids are going to be at the other parents. It feels like a wasted holiday already. Or maybe you're wanting to skip it, get to New Year, and just kind of get past it. You've already kind of made peace in your mind that you're going to be alone on Christmas. It's going to suck. You're going to move on, and you just, just want to be done with it. Christmas can feel less than magical when there's loss and less than magical without. Some people hate this time of year because of all the pressure they feel, right? There's just that social pressure to go to things that you may or may not even want to be at, but you need to. And then there's the financial pressure of, well, you you got to buy these things for people so they'll know you love them, and that's how you show it. And sometimes season's greetings get canceled by seasonal depression. That's real, too. Some people, yeah, like, it really is the most wonderful time of the year. But for others... Christmas can be the loneliest and darkest. All right, hold up, time out. Isn't Christmas supposed to be full of, like, magic and joy? And Yeah, it is. Like, Christmas should be full of joy, right? It's the time of year that we celebrate the birth of Jesus, this, this promised Messiah that would bring hope to the whole world. Like, it, it should be full of joy. And also, I mean, just personally, when I think back on how I grew up, so many of my favorite childhood memories... They're from Christmas. Maybe you guys can relate to some of those feelings. On paper, Christmas should be amazing every single time. And it's, it's not, right? Live long enough, and it's not a really high bar. Live long enough, and you'll know that not every Christmas is holly jolly. But it, but it should be. But it's not. We're in our series, Retro Christmas. What we're doing is we're looking back to the book of Isaiah and the Old Testament and the prophecies about Christmas, right? There's some prophecies about this Messiah who would come, who would bring freedom and peace and incredible things. And yet for a long period of time, these prophecies were given and the Messiah wasn't there. There's so many prophecies about the hope that this Messiah would bring. But I think my, my personal favorite, maybe, I don't know. Probably, personal favorite, is this one from Isaiah 9. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. That's a prophecy that was given to the people of Israel. And it's one that's true then, and it's true today. Here's the point. Jesus is the light that brings hope. Jesus is the light that brings hope. It's not incredibly clever, it's not catchy, but it's true, and that's enough. Jesus is the promised Messiah that the book of Isaiah and that prophecy pointed towards in the future, and he is the light that brings hope. Light and hope go together a lot. Um, They kind of go hand in hand. And I think we notice this, at least I do, most around the holidays, right? Like, 
that's when I think of holiday lights. I mean, it's fun. It's cheerful. It's good. It makes stuff cozy. It makes the darkness something I look forward to instead of something I dread. I love decorating for Christmas. Like if you go by my house, please don't. But if you do, you would see this giant six foot tall, giant inflatable Bucky's. And it's just fun to put that thing up. Less fun, putting up the Christmas lights on the roof. I want it to be fun. I think it should be fun every year. I'm like, I'm kind of excited about this. Turns out, not good at that. Uh, I got stuck on my roof for the second year in a row. Um, so actually, I don't like putting up those. But I do love putting up the Christmas trees. All right? Man, there's just something special. Like, all right, this is when we're celebrating Christmas. The Christmas tree is up. It's, it's cool. I love it. It's, it's cozy. It's fun. It's joyful. But have you ever heard the story of the first Christmas tree? You're in, you're in luck, by the way. I'm going to tell you now. This is the story of the first Christmas tree, or at least the first recorded one of someone decorating a tree to celebrate the birth of Christ. Because people decorated trees for lots of different reasons. But according to tradition, there's a German pastor named Martin Luther. He was walking through the woods one day, and it was dark outside, and he saw a tree, and through the tree, he saw the lights of the stars shining through it. And so as the stars shone through the tree, it made him think of God and how beautiful God was and the hope of the Messiah. And out of gratitude and celebration, he wanted to kind of capture that moment. So what he did is he cut down a tree, and he put it up in his house, and then he took candles and put candles on the tree to kind of try and replicate the light. Now, if you're thinking what I'm thinking... Is that safe? Let me just tell you how hard I tried to replicate that today on stage. But executive pastor Tim Perkins looked at me and said, no. Jerry Wishmeyer, who is the person who actually reads all the fine print of our insurance, said, no. I tried to kind of get around him and talk to Adam. And Adam said, direct quote, absolutely not. They actually wouldn't even let me have a candle on stage. Maybe because they knew I would want to do it anyway. But Martin Luther didn't have any of those three people to stop him. So he got to have candles in his Christmas tree. And it caught. Not on fire, but I can see why you'd think that. No, it caught as a tradition. And then that tradition spread. And more and more people started to put up trees in their homes. And it started not with ornaments or popcorn, but light as a way to celebrate Christmas. And throughout time, God has chosen to associate himself with light. It's, it's something that God has chosen to do. 1 John 1.5 says, God is light, and there is no darkness in him at all. He created it. Like, God created God said, let there be light. He created light. He chose to associate himself with light. And something I've never really thought about till this year, when Adam and I were chatting, is that light is powerful. Like, yeah, there's the science that explains how this works, so I get it. But darkness is the absence of light, which also means that darkness doesn't take away light. But any amount of light can break through darkness. Sometimes we're incapable of seeing it, but light breaks through darkness. It always wins. It's unstoppable. I don't think it's an accident. Actually, I'm confident that it's not, that God chooses to associate himself with light. Because Jesus does all of those things as well, right? Light changes the mood. It changes. It provides clarity. It can't be stopped. It breaks through darkness. And Jesus is the light that brings hope. Hope is our expectation for a better future, and Jesus brings that. Hope also stands out best against the darkness, just like light does. I mean, come on, our Christmas lights, they look way better when it's dark at 3.30 than when it's daylight at 3.20. 
And it's a joke, but it's also not. But it's true. Like, lights stand out against darkness. And the light that brings hope, Jesus, stands out best against darkness. And just like with our Christmas lights, right, sometimes there's this feeling of waiting and anticipation. Well, the people of Israel who were promised this light, they said that a light will come to those who walk in great darkness. Before Jesus came, they experienced great darkness for generation after generation. The Hebrew people of Israel and Judah were oppressed by the Babylonian Empire, and then the Assyrian Empire, and then the Roman Empire, while they were waiting and clinging on to this hope that one day their Messiah would come, that there would be a light who would bring hope. But for a long time, and they were just holding on. Have you felt yourself just holding on? Hallmark has made this so much worse, by the way. Um... Because now we have these new pressures, right? It's not just the social or economic pressures. Now we've got Hallmark pressures. So maybe you find yourself in the middle of a Hallmark movie today, and you are just holding on because you know that you have to make it back to your hometown, run into your high school sweetheart, who may or may not be dating someone else, wear just the right amount of flannel, stand next to the gazebos just long enough that people think that gazebo's familiar, but then move away before they know it's the same gazebo as all the other Hallmark movies. And then you need... To save your family's mom-and-pop business, bakery, Christmas parade, spirit of Christmas, the toy shop, the North Pole, fill in the blank. Find true love and do it all just in time for Christmas. This is a lot of pressure, man. we, we got to hold on to hope. Do you know why people watch Hallmark movies? It's not the acting. It's because Hallmark movies are good. Maybe not good acting, but... It's safe. At the end, it's all going to work out. You know when you start the movie that at the end of the movie, it's good. And we want that. And that's not how life works. It's not. Maybe your life feels nothing like a Hallmark movie. I mean, sure, maybe it does for some of us, but there are many people here and online and that we know and that we care about where life doesn't feel like it's got a whole lot of light in it right now. Maybe you're finding yourself this season, and it's, it's work, and work's what's got you down. And you're trying to kind of grab that holiday bonus, get through the new year, and you're already planning on firing up Indeed. Or maybe you're in a spot where you can't leave your job. But man, you're hoping your boss is going to leave. Maybe it's not work, right? Maybe it's loss. Holidays remind us of grief. We just feel it differently. And maybe you know it won't always be this way. Someone tells you the first Christmas is the worst and it starts to get better and you want to believe them and you don't know if you do and you're just kind of hoping that maybe next year it won't hurt quite as much. You don't know how, but, but maybe. Maybe you're just tired. Just so, so tired. And you feel thin, sort of stretched like butter scraped over too much bread and you're stressed and you've got a light and it feels like it's flickering and you are just hoping it doesn't go out. I do love Christmas. Um, I love Christmas trees. I hate this Christmas tree. I hate it so much um, because of what it makes me remember. A couple of Christmases ago, I had a non-Hallmarky Christmas where 
the day before Thanksgiving, I found out that the woman I was married to might be leaving and didn't know why and didn't have answers. I was in a job where I knew that I could and likely would be fired at any moment for a variety of reasons. Um, I was dealing with depression, and during that season, I hated going to work, and I hated coming home, and then once I was home, I was typically the only person there, and every light in the house would be off, except for this stupid tree. And I would find myself sitting by this tree, praying, reading, crying, sometimes multitasking with those. And I couldn't bring myself to unplug it. Like the little plug's right here. It's, it's, it's not hard, but I couldn't do it. Because it felt like if I unplugged this Christmas tree, it would be like I was giving up on hope. I hate the tree. Um, actually, I gave it away and then had to borrow it back so we could talk about this. So that sucks. But the reason I hate it is because it reminds me of how dark life was. And life was so dark where not knowing about my job, not knowing about my marriage, not knowing about just the physical and mental health and everything going on, there was a time where I thought about ending it. And it wasn't this long, drawn-out thought process. It actually got stopped pretty quickly. And the reason that it didn't get very far is the same thing we're talking about. The reason we celebrate lights at Christmas, that Jesus is the light that brings hope. Because in the middle of my darkest nights, I understood something called the gospel, which means good news. It's the hope that we celebrate at Christmas and at Easter and every other day. Because Christmas without a cross isn't enough. But the hope that keeps people alive, the hope that Jesus came to bring, is the good news. That there is a God who created the world, who saw it and loved it, even though it was broken by our sin. And our sin is any time we fail to meet a perfect standard. God is a perfect God, so he has a perfect standard, and we can't meet it. And our best efforts are like trying to jump across a Grand Canyon. No matter how much you could train or prepare, you can try, and it won't work. And we cannot get to God on our own. And the same God who created us and saw us and saw us in the middle of our brokenness and our mess and the worst things we have ever done and the worst things that have ever been done to us saw us and knew we did not have a snowball's chance in hell of getting to him. And so he said about the greatest rescue mission that the world has ever known. It's the one we celebrate at Christmas where God came down as a baby into a broken, messed up world. And he came in humility to a manger and he grew up and he lived a perfect life, being fully God and fully man at the same time. And then he died, not as payment for his sins, because he had none, but as payment for ours. He was crucified on a cross, buried, put in the grave, and then three days later rose out of the grave, showing God's power not only over death, but over every single sin that we can, will, and could possibly imagine committing. The gospel is the good news that we bring nothing to our salvation except the sin that makes it necessary. There is a God that loves us, that he sees us in our darkness and our complete inability to get to him. And he comes to us and says, you're mine anyway. Not because we are good enough, because we are not. But because he loves us and all we have to do is believe. 
We believe the gospel. We believe the hope that God created us, saw us broken, came and got us, died on a cross for our sins. And instead of us earning our way to God, we do not have to. That is the gift and the hope and the promise and the light of Christmas. That is the gospel. Jesus makes us a lot of promises, and he keeps every single one. And in John eight twelve, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness, because you will have the light that leads to life. He doesn't say it will never be dark. Life's not hallmark. But he does promise that he will be with us, and that he is the light that leads to life. And in the prophecy we're talking about in Isaiah, it talks about the light who will come to a people walking in darkness. And then it goes on. It talks about how the Messiah is going to bring about prosperity. He's going to end scarcity. He's going to bring about peace. And not just like, you know, a short-term peace, but a peace that lasts. And then it goes on, and it gets to the part that we kind of hear about more at Christmas. Isaiah 9, 6 through 7 says, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Those describe the Messiah. And they sound good in Christmas songs. But if Jesus already showed up, how come life doesn't always look like this? Fair question. Jesus came and he fulfilled that prophecy, but he did not do it through a military victory like people expected. He did it by dying on a cross and inviting us to put our trust and our faith in him. And he gives us mercy and grace and a promise. And that promise is the hope. And it's that one day we will get to experience all of that with Jesus forever. And we kind of get to experience it now, but we get to fully experience it in the future. And this just got really confusing. I know, I heard myself too. It's kind of like this, all right? I want you to think about a gift card, all right? Good old-fashioned, don't know what to get someone, but you want to get them something, gift card. I just pointed to a lot of husbands who are going to get their wives gift cards to a coffee shop this Christmas, all right? And I'm not judging you. I have done the same thing. It's not a bad gift, but the kingdom of God is kind of like a gift card to a coffee shop. When you give someone a gift, right, you have already promised, you have already paid for, you have already secured that coffee, and they've been given that gift. It's theirs now, but they haven't fully enjoyed it either. They have not fully experienced it. They kind of have it, but it will be fully experienced later on. The kingdom of God is like that, where because of what Jesus did on the cross, the kingdom of God is already established when we put our trust and our faith in Jesus, not our efforts, not our efforts, not grace plus anything, but just what Jesus did on the cross, we become a part of the kingdom of God, and we get to partially experience it. But there's going to be a day where we fully experience it, where the Messiah comes back, this time not to die on a cross, but to make everything right, says enough is enough, judges darkness and stops it forever, and then there will be that peace that never ends. Until that day, we get to experience the kingdom of God by being a part of God's family, 
by knowing that it is paid for, that it's promised, that there is nothing that can take it away, and that we also still anticipate fully experiencing it one day as well. And until then, we still have an opportunity, I would say even a responsibility, to keep hope alive. Right? Our hope is the hope of the gospel, the hope that there is a God who saved us and loved us and has plans for us and hasn't forgotten us. And all of that can be true, and we can still not feel it at times. I get that. So I want to talk about a couple of things we can do to keep hope alive. And I don't mean that our efforts make this possible, because they don't. But these are things that we can do to remind ourselves of what is true and help us experience the kingdom of God as fully as we can right now. A couple of ways. They don't happen on accident. We have to be intentional. So a couple of ways we can keep hope alive this Christmas. The first is to be, be intentional with God. Life gets busy all year round. We talk about how Christmas is so busy, and it is, but life's always busy. That's why we've got to be intentional. But one way to keep hope alive is by staying connected to the source of that hope, Jesus. Jesus is the light that brings hope. We can do this a couple of different ways. The easiest, most obvious church answer, and a good one, is to read our Bibles. We've got something called the Ridge Reading Challenge that we do as a church. And what we're doing right now through the month of December is we're looking at the prophecies in the Old Testament about Christmas, and we're looking at the Christmas story, how it's recorded in the Gospels. And we're going through, and we're just reading it together. You can do that through the app. There's little cards in the atrium. Uh, but join us in the Ridge Reading Challenge as we familiarize and refamiliarize ourselves with the story of the greatest rescue mission. We want to spend time with God by reading his word and by praying. And another way is by the content we consume. Right? I mean, we all know this, that what we consume directly impacts our thoughts and emotions. I think music is one of the things that does that the most easily and most frequently. So what I did just kind of took the liberty is I created a couple of playlists for us. I've included my own Christmas originals. Uh, no, I have not. Don't worry. Um, but we do have some playlists. And there's a couple. You can scan the QR codes in front of you. There will be a link online. There's two of them. Here's why. If you are having a holly jolly, everything is great Christmas season, awesome. Keeping hope alive can be loud and celebratory. And if you are not, something that is loud and celebratory is the last thing you want to hear. So we've got two playlists. One's basically if you're having a good Christmas. One's if you're having a bad playlist. One's have, maybe it's a bad playlist. I hope not. One's if you're having a good Christmas. One's if you're having a hard Christmas. And they're worship songs that will direct you towards God and towards hope. Not just lights and family and fun and gifts. Those can point us to God and they can be good, but they are not a permanent hope. But these playlists will directly take your mind towards a place of worship. And so that's just a tool we wanted to give you and say, hey, be intentional with God, spend time in the Bible reading it, and then also spend time praying and thinking and even listening to music that will direct you to God. One of my favorite songs is in them. It's from Reliant K, um, greatest Christmas album of all time. And it's the song, I Celebrate the Day. It says, I celebrate the day that you were born to die so I could one day pray for you to save my life. And when we remind ourselves of what is true and not just what we feel, it helps us to worship God and to keep that hope alive. We can do that by being intentional with God. Another way we can be intentional is by being intentional with community, right? Community, fancy word. Uh, we're talking about people who believe the same things and want to move in the same direction, right? We want to move towards God. That's not something we can always do on our own. Sometimes we need other people to help us and even drag us there. 
Um, man, I experienced that this past weekend. I've got people that I've been in small group with, people that I have served with that have made a huge difference in my life even this weekend. Uh, that's part of why we talk about being in a group and why we talk about serving. It's not just because we want something from you. We want it for you. My weekend was infinitely better because of that. And these are people that, man, they're going to help you love Jesus and follow Jesus. And people can help you keep hope alive. All right? A couple ways we can do that. One is you can always reach out to people and help bring them along. Sometimes that's inviting people to church. Not because we're trying to get as many people in seats as we can, but because we have the hope of the gospel and we want people to experience that. But sometimes it's not, hey, come to church. Maybe it's come to church. Maybe it's, hey, come over. We're watching a Christmas movie. Come be with us. Don't treat people like projects. They're smart. They'll know. But include them and invite them and say, hey, come with. We got this. And maybe you're hearing that and that sounds nice and you're hoping someone reaches out to you because you know that you do not have it in you to reach out first. Maybe grief is just overwhelming this time of year. Got it? We've got something for you. This Thursday, over in Decatur County, in Greensburg, on the square, at the coffee shop called The Branch, from 6.15 to 7.45, we have something called Grief Share, Surviving the Holidays. It's an hour and a half long. It is very practical. How do you survive the holidays in the middle of grief? We would love to have you with us. Man, if you're in the area and you want to help, show up. We'd love the help. And if you are hurting and you are confused or you are scared and you are alone, you do not have to be alone. We would love to have you with us. You can sign up through the QR code in front of you, through the app. Shoot, you can just show up. We would love to have you this Thursday night over on the square at the branch for surviving the holidays. We want to be intentional with God. We want to be intentional with community. Then we want to be intentional with lights. Yeah, I know, the third one's not like the other two, but just humor me. We want to be intentional with lights. See, this Christmas season, we see a whole lot of lights. And sometimes they are beautiful and majestic and elegant, and then sometimes they're really tacky, like a Bucky's inflatable, and your kids are going to love them, and you're going to hate them, and that's cool. And also, all of them are an opportunity. See, Jesus is the light that brings hope. And it's a very easy opportunity to make sure we remember that when we see lights, man, before we turn on lights, before we turn off lights, when we are impressed by them, to pause and pray. It's a time to reflect. It's a time to be grateful for the hope that Jesus and the gospel brings. It's a time to thank God. It's a time to be with God. But lights give us an opportunity to remember the truth that Jesus is the light that brings hope. So when you see lights... Pause and pray. Be intentional with God. Be intentional with community. Be intentional with lights. Because Jesus is the light that brings hope. And I'd love to pray to him with you guys right now. God, you show up against the darkness and you do it consistently. You are unstoppable. And you are good. And you saw us and our sin and our inability to get to you, and you didn't leave us there. But you loved us, and you came and got us. And we celebrate that this Christmas. We do it with hope. Not a hope that we're good or not a hope that things are always fun, but the hope that you love us, 
you invite us to trust in you, and that when we trust in you, nothing can rip us away from you. So we love you, and we're grateful for you, and we worship you. You help us to keep hope alive by reminding us again and again and again, as often as we need it, that Jesus is the light that brings hope. Amen.